Are you ready to uncover your retirement solution? Learn more as Jeremy Kyle and his guests guide you along the path of retirement and reveal the five steps you need to take to solve your retirement puzzle. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to Retirement Revealed with Jeremy Kyle. Today, we're going to be talking about some really important questions, about six of them, right, Jeremy? That's it. We, uh, we've been helping people get ready for retirement, and we find a lot of times folks that are in that, uh, that phase of life uh, don't quite know what they're facing yet, because why would they? They've never faced it before. Mm-hmm. And we've discovered six questions that retirees aren't asking but should be. So six questions retirees aren't asking mm-hmm. but should be. And you yeah. actually have a, a very, very good resource that we're going to talk about um, a mm-hmm. little bit later, and you're going to give uh, some opportunities for folks to get this resource. And it's these six questions in a, in a document that is incredibly robust. It's 22 pages long, really covers a ton of, of great stuff. Um, meat. I, I think I told you earlier, I, I call that meat. I mean, it really is mm-hmm. a meaty, meaty document that people really need to get into and and explore because it, it goes into depth. We're going to be kind of giving that 30,000 foot view today of what those six questions are. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, it, it's very important for them to get this. Yeah, a lot of good stuff. But thankfully, we've got a good editing and graphics team. They helped organize it very well. So you can go in and you know flip through it and find, oh, that's the one that applies to me mm-hmm. and, and, and work on that one. Uh, take a look at the whole thing if you'd like. You could probably read it in 20 minutes. Not too, uh, not too hard to go through, but it's important to get ready for retirement because uh, you've never done this before. You've spent yep. your whole life saving, and now you're going to spend the rest of your life spending. Not that you didn't spend before, but you're spending out of your investments, not adding to your investments, and that one's tough. It's tough to go from seeing your accounts go up to all of a sudden start taking money right out of the accounts. That's, mm-hmm. that's one of the biggest mental shifts that you've got to make uh, when you switch over to retirement. Yeah, absolutely. So for the sake of this podcast, we're going to be covering all six a little bit quicker than mm-hmm. obviously than the, the the document does. But where do we yeah. really want to start today? Yeah, well, we're going to start a little bit with uh, your retirement take-home pay. Uh, a lot of people are trying to figure out how much can I take home in retirement or what's my income uh, going to look like in retirement. And real quick, another reason why this is so difficult is you know when your retirement date starts, you don't know when your retirement's going to end. Right. <laughs> That's it's a good kind of point. an easy thing yeah. to save for a specific date. It's very difficult to save for a date that you don't know. How, lo- how long is this going to last? Who, who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, a, that's a tough one. Uh, so when you're trying to come up with your uh, retirement income, you're trying to figure out uh, how much can I sustain over that time frame, whether it's short, whether it's long. And there's just a lot of things that are out there that give you some some guidance. But we just think... Um, it becomes almost a little bit too difficult, right? You read a reg- magazine, it says you need 70% or 80% of your pre-retirement income in retirement, right? They're, they're talking to 100 million people. Mm-hmm. What does that apply to you, right? What does that do for you? Or you read about this thing called the 4% rule. It says, oh, I got a million bucks. I can take out 4%, 40 grand a year for the rest of my life. Well, again, how does that apply to you specifically when you have pension, social security, things like that? Uh, so a lot of times people are looking at these general rules of thumb, and we say almost almost work backwards. Uh, figure out what you're living on right now, and then when you're doing your planning, find out if you can actually live on that. If you can't live on uh, what your income is right now, well, then there's going to be some adjustments, and you're better off figuring that out uh, before uh, you hit retirement. 
So the question is, what will my retirement take-home pay be? And we like to talk about that take-home pay because that's what you're living on right now, right? If you're looking at your income and you make a hundred grand or whatever it is, or you've got a million bucks in investments, who cares about that? You are living on a certain dollar amount. Maybe it's 1500 every two weeks. Maybe it's four grand a month, seven grand a month. Whatever it is that shows up in your checking account right now, you're probably spending it. So that's what you should be shooting for is can my pension, my social security, can my investments help me hit that exact take-home pay amount? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. It's easier, right? You already know the number. A lot of people are trying to figure out, what do I need in retirement? You know it, right? Yeah. It's sitting there. Check your uh, your paycheck, whatever your take-home pay is. That's what you're probably spending right now. That's what you need and build everything up from there. So that's that's the answer to number one. We'll tell you you know, how to go about that and some certain things you need to add on to it uh, later on uh, in the guidebook. But that's step one is just, what are you living on right now? That's your take-home pay. That's your goal in retirement. Try to get that take-home pay in retirement if you can. Yeah. Great advice. Yeah. Second question is, how do I enjoy life now, but still live comfortably later? Mm -hmm. It's a tough uh, switching over from that saver mode to that spender mode. Uh, you don't want to take out so much that you run out of money later on. But at the same time, when are you going to have more fun? When you're 62 or when you're 92? Yeah. Probably when you're 62. So if you've got a good plan that allows you to spend a little bit more when you're younger, when you have that bucket list, you can go ahead and do that without feeling guilty about taking out too much. But at the same time, if you focus on some things like your long-term monthly income, the things you get every month like Social Security and pension, it can allow you to make sure you still have enough later on. It's a, it's a tough balance, uh, but it's one that we want you to, to walk through and, and figure out. And that's what we do a lot uh, for folks is how do you enjoy life now? And oftentimes that means you spend a little bit more those first few years of retirement, but still have enough later on so that you don't have to worry about running out of money. Yeah. And that's, that's the big thing right there is, is not worrying about running out of money. And to take a quick side trip, uh, my wife and I attended a dinner not too long ago, last week sometime, and it was done by the hospital uh, that's that's very oh. close to us. They do this kind of almost, almost like a lunch and learn, but it was more of a dinner right. and learn. And they had a surgeon there that gave a presentation about heart surgeries. And just think about anybody who's between 30 and 40 years old right now that's listening to this podcast you have another 30 years plus before you really retire, unless you plan to retire early. Mm-hmm. Just think of all the technology that's happened since 1990 to now. That was 30 years ago. From 1990 to now, we went from gas guzzling cars to electric cars that drive themselves. We went from all these mm-hmm. things. This medical presentation was phenomenal. Heart surgery without a- actually having to open the chest anymore. There was yep. so many examples of that. So how much longer... Is somebody that's between 30 and 40 or even between 40 and 50 going to live compared to what, mm-hmm. you know, people are doing now? So that's, I mean, that's something to be thinking about and keep on, you know, top of mind when you're looking at, you know, enjoying life, but still being comfortable later. When is later? Like you said at the beginning, we yeah. don't know when retirement ends, but for mm-hmm. most, <laughs> most listening audience, it's going to, it's going to end later than it does now. Yeah, most likely. And we were just talking to somebody yesterday about that. Uh, she's in her mid fifties and we had to talk through and get a good expectation of how long might you, uh, even though we say we don't know how long you live, well, there's some probabilities out there. We can help give some good guidance around that. Mm-hmm. And she was telling me how all of her grandparents, her parents, you know, they're, 
that are passing away in the mid eighties. So that must be roughly when she'll pass away. I said, that's, you know, that's a good starting point. But at the same time, um, your grandparents are probably what, 45 years older than you, right? Mm -hmm. 50 years older than you. You've got 45 to 50 years of medical help exactly ahead of them, right? If they made it to the mid eighties, uh, you know, mid eighties for their life expectancy and they had 1970s technology going on, what's it going <laughs> to look like for you by the time yeah. you get there, you know, 30 years from now, it's going to be completely different. So that's right. You know, that's, that's definitely the floor. We got to look past the mid eighties into the nineties for someone like herself. Who's in good health. She's in good health. And she admitted, she said, I've got a better healthier lifestyle than these folks as well. Mm-hmm. Right. That's Absolutely. a lot of times. And thankfully a lot of people these days have a, a healthier lifestyle uh, than 30, 40, 50 years ago when more people were smoking and uh, drinking more alcohol and, you know, the red meat and you know, all that kind of stuff that that's kind of shied down a little bit, at least, at least lately. Yeah. Well, I mean, her grandparents grew up when there was commercials with doctors on them suggesting that you smoke every day for your yeah, own health. Right. Exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, that's, a, that's a huge difference than what we, we talk about today. So yeah. yeah. Big deal. Well, question number three is uh, related a little bit to longevity because uh, oftentimes you get into retirement and there's two of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the end of retirement, you're probably down to one person. And when you're doing this retirement planning, things might look very rosy when he's got a pension, she's got Social Security, he's got Social Security. That looks great. Uh, but we want to figure out how much income will your spouse lose when you pass away. Mm. That's a big deal. We call that the survivor gap. And it's a, it's a huge deal, especially for a lot of widows. Uh, we like to say that an 82-year-old widow is living on the decisions of her 62-year-old husband. Right, mm. 20 some years ago, uh, that happens for sure with Social Security. That whatever the two of you are getting is going to go down when the first person passes. Yeah. And if you happen to have a pension, depending on how you uh, set that up, that might go down as well. Uh, the default is usually a 50% survivorship, it means yeah. if you're getting a thousand bucks, the default is that uh, the spouse gets 500, half of it. That's the default for most uh, pensions. So we know for a fact Social Security is going down. A lot of pensions do go down. Thankfully, with the pensions, you get a little bit of a choice. So hopefully you've um, not elected, you haven't chosen your pension decision yet, and we can help you figure out how is this going to affect your widow. And for the guys, that could be you, right? Mm -hmm. It it could be you. There's still a chance. You know, the women might not uh, outlive you. So these decisions might be affecting you. Um, And then for the women, well, guess what? It probably will be you. So these decisions, uh, you've got to be a part of it. Uh, got to make sure your husband's considering the both of you and especially uh, the wife, you know, later on. She's going to live for five, seven, ten years. I, my grandma's been a widow for almost 20 years now. Right? Wow. She's living on pension decisions that she and her husband made, you know, 30 years ago. This is a big, big deal. And you can't change it. You can't go back in time. You can't change it. Mm-hmm. And right. a lot of people, when we talk about this, their initial reaction is, well, there'll be half of us, right? Our expenses will go down. Okay, well... um, your property taxes don't go down. Yeah. Your tax brackets actually go up. It's uh, higher taxes for single folks a lot of times than when you're married. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking through like utilities, right? You live in this your house, you got to pay utilities. Well, we're going to use less electricity, less water. I don't know how it is by you, uh, but I got a family of four folks, right? There's four of us in our family and we pay uh, about 18 bucks a month for water, right? And that's not too many tax savings when the first person right, dies and the second one is still using a little bit less water, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's not going to really, uh, that's not going to really uh, be the salvation to, to your, your retirement there. Yeah. Yep. 
Yeah, so gotta figure that one out. Gotta figure out ways to act on it. Maybe you delay Social Security. Maybe you delay your pension. Maybe you take a survivorship on your pension. Uh, maybe you set some money aside and get ready for that that situation. Maybe you still have life insurance into retirement. Those are all things that we talk about in the guidebook, things that we like to walk our clients through to make sure what's your plan, right? It's 25 years down the road, but you got to have a plan now because now's the time when you're making decisions on it. Yeah, absolutely. Step four, fourth, we're halfway through. Number four here, we're getting into taxes, one of our favorite topics. Oh boy. But number four <laughs> is how do I arrange my taxes to get more deductions? It's a interesting situation. A lot of retirees, uh, maybe they got some property taxes, some state income taxes. They give a good amount to charity. Uh, up until a few years ago, a lot of them had these things called itemized deductions. Mm-hmm. Well, they changed the tax laws. So 2018, 2019, and it's set up to be this way uh, for the next five or six years until 2026, they doubled the standard deduction. And what's new when you hit retirement, when you hit 65, they actually give you a little bit of an extra help, which is a good thing. They give you extra help on the standard deduction. But it's to the point now where you don't actually get to itemize until you hit about $27,000 of mm-hmm. these deductions. Mm-hmm. And with this whole property state income tax thing, they limited it before. So you might have had a couple properties, you might have had some high income taxes, you might have had 15, 20 grand of deductions from that before. Guess what? They limit you now to 10 grand. So they made the bar higher and mm-hmm. they let you count less of it. So it's tough these days to get these itemized uh, deductions. And that's unfortunate because a lot of times when you're giving money to charity, especially, um, it's kind of nice to get that extra tax help, especially if you're used to it. Uh, you know, you keep on giving to charity whether you get the tax help or not. But it's a wise thing to arrange your taxes around to kind of capture back those deductions. And there's mm-hmm. some ways that you can do that uh, on the charitable side, especially. We can talk through a few of those real quick, especially for the, uh, the retirement people. Yeah. Yeah. So if you are retired and you give money to church, right? Let's just say you're a great giver, you're giving a $500 to church, $1,000 every month, whatever it is. Or maybe you've got a few charities you really like and you're giving a few thousand each year to these charities. You don't have to give it the way that you always were. You don't have to put the envelope in the, uh, you know, in the bucket every single week. You don't have to cut a check in December, right? You could, you could do this in January, right? You can, you could do it the year before. Uh, you mm-hmm. can do these things called bunching deductions. You try to figure out and you plan out. You want to be uh, mindful and, and planning out these, these charitable gifts because when you plan them out, you can bunch them together, find ways that you can bunch these uh, gifts together and get some extra tax deductions. So we had a client recently, someone came in, really good givers. They, they're giving 10% to their church, a uh, little bit extra, some different charities, love it. We love working with those folks. Mm-hmm. Really can help them out quite a bit, especially when it comes to this this area. And they had an extra 30,000 in their savings account. They said, where do you think we, should we invest this? Should we pay down our mortgage? What should we, what should we do with this extra 30,000? So talking through it, we said, wait a second, you give 10,000 a year to your churches roughly, and you're not getting any of those deductions, right? Because just the way it worked out with their standard deductionary, mm-hmm. we're not getting any of those deductions. So we said, let's look into something called a donor advice fund. And that's a way that you can get a tax deduction today, but not necessarily give it to the charity until later on. So we put that 30000 into a donor advice fund. And for them, let's just say that they got about 
25,000 extra in deductions for that year, right? That's, that's roughly what it worked out for this folks. They were in the 22% tax rate. You multiply that out. That's about 5,500 in federal tax savings. Wow. And it seems weird. Like we're not talking about actually giving extra. We just said, do this a little bit differently, right? Instead of waiting for the next three years and putting 10,000 a year towards your church, just do it all in once towards this donor advice fund and then let that fund pay out to your church over the next three years. Mm-hmm. And instead of getting no itemized deductions for the next three years, they're going to get roughly 5500 bucks in the tax savings, right? If you just do the math, they had 25 extra in deductions this year times the 22%. That's about 5500 they'll get in savings. That'll be huge, right? Yeah. That's a big help to them, right? That gives them a little bit more affordability to give a little bit extra to the churches and charities that they want to do. That's great. Yeah, it's just being mindful, planning that one out. Or another one, this one's huge for folks that are 70 and a half. Uh, we had a, a couple come in and they were working with another advisor, but they were thinking about moving over towards us. We said, oh, well, you're quite charitable. You've got these required minimum distributions. You have IRAs that the government forces you to take money out of. Mm-hmm. I assume you're having your IRA money go directly to the charity. Well, no, I never heard of that before. Well, it turns out uh, they were taking their money from their IRA to themselves and then writing a check for just about the same dollar amount uh, to the charity. We said, if you go from the IRA directly to the charity, the government's got a rule called Qualified Charitable Distributions. You've got to be 70 and a half to do that. So it's folks that are you know, into retirement a couple of years. But when you do that, uh, it doesn't show up in your tax form. And if it doesn't show up in your tax form, you don't pay the taxes on it. Yeah. And for them, nice. uh, that's about 10,000 a year they were not getting a deduction on. They still don't get a deduction on it because when it goes from IRA to charity, there's, there's no deduction, but it wasn't showing up on their tax form. Yeah. So 10,000 bucks they were making use of doesn't show up on their tax form at 22% tax rate. That was about 2,200 a year of savings. Well, they, they signed up with us as a, becoming a client right uh, away. Yeah, huge. Yeah. It's, uh, a, it's a big help. And they were exactly. missing out on this, unfortunately, because their advisor wasn't aware of it. Their accountant wasn't aware of it. No one was giving them that advice. So that's uh, that's. Question number four, how do I arrange my taxes to get more deductions? You might be someone that used to have itemized deductions and now you're wishing you still had them. There might be a way, and it's just being mindful, strategic, plan out that charity uh, that you give. We talk about a couple of those uh, ways to do that in the book. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Two more questions here. Question number five and number six, a little bit related, we'd say. Uh, Number five is how can we leverage Social Security to lower our lifetime taxes? Right. We've talked about hmm. Social Security before. A lot of people focus on Social Security mainly on do you take it at this age or that age? What gives you the most money uh, when it comes to Social Security? Um, but they don't focus so much. This is an added benefit. They don't focus so much on well, what, how does Social Security get taxed? It's Well, I'll give you that question. What do you think, Eric? How does Social Security get taxed? When you're getting Social Security, how does, how does that work? I would assume it gets taxed just like income. Yeah, that's about it. Uh, some people ask us, what's the rate on Social Security? Well, it's whatever you know, your normal income rate is. So mm-hmm. if you're in the 12% bracket, the 22% bracket, that's what it is. There's no special rate on Social Security. But what is different is you might get, let's just go with 30000 Let's just say you get 30000 in Social Security. Uh, either none of that is taxable, all the way up to 85% of it is taxable, or anywhere in between. It's just a weird number. So you have the same rate as before, but a lot of your Social Security may or may not show up as being taxable, and it has everything to do 
with how much other income you have, mm-hmm. which is a really odd situation. We dive more into it in the guidebook. But it's so interesting that if you got 30000 from Social Security and 20000 from your IRA, that's a way different tax situation than if you got 20000 from uh, Social Security and 30000 from your IRA. Social Security coming out to you is a better tax situation than taking money from your IRA. And mm. just an interesting way that it just compounds on each other where you get to this, well, now it's age 72. Now they change the required minimum rules to age 72 where you're being forced to take money out and you might have had uh, Social Security that was fairly low taxable before and all of a sudden you have 5, 10, 20 grand more of income showing up from your IRA onto your tax form. It's not just that money that shows up as extra taxes. Parts of your Social Security might come from being no taxes to to a higher tax situation. Hmm. It's a it's an odd situation. It involves something called provisional income, a bunch of math that's in there. I'm telling you, it's worth looking into. If you have a tax accountant uh, that isn't um, talking to you about how much your Social Security is being taxed right now, if your advisor isn't helping you find ways to uh, take Social Security that was taxable and make it non-taxable, you, you got to keep looking, right? There's, It's just so interesting. It's an odd situation. It was based on laws in 1983 that haven't changed. Uh, and if you know the rules, you can figure out how do I go about uh, adjusting my other income so that less of my Social Security becomes taxed. Yeah. And I mean, I think you and I have talked about this before. If you're going to play the game, you have to know the rules. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. the way these the tax code and tax laws are all written out, it is like a game. It's a, a very, very complicated game. So yes, bring sure. in the expert that knows the rules and <laughs> can can talk to you about them because, man, it's this is one game you don't want to lose. Yeah, that's exactly it. And unfortunately, most people just, uh, they they delay these required minimums. They wait till they're forced to do things. Uh, then all of a sudden, they get their bill in April for taxes from last year. They say, oh, man, what can I do? You can do a lot. You can't throw up your hands in the air and say, oh, I can't do anything. Yeah. What can I do? There's a lot you can do. Uh, and there's a lot you can do ahead of time. That's why uh, question number six, we end with question number six. We think of this as one of the biggest ways combined with number five about leveraging Social Security is if you can uh, take these Roth conversions, right? So the question is, how can I use Roth conversions to lower my lifetime tax bill? Mm-hmm. What's so interesting about retirement, so different than when you're working. When you work, you're making your salary, you get your paycheck. Uh, you work, you make your salary, you get your t- W-2, you throw in your tax form. When you're in retirement, that's that's new in that you get to choose your tax bill. It sounds different. Like, I want to choose zero. I mean, who wouldn't want to choose yeah, zero? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you don't get to do that. You don't get to write a letter and say, this year I'm going to with zero. But you get to choose a lot of times when things become taxable. You can choose to take money from your bank account for income or from your IRA for income. That's a different tax situation. You can choose to take money out in December, but use it for January. That's a different tax situation. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of choice. And when you understand how the tax brackets work, when you understand how Social Security works and becomes taxable, you can put that all together for your advantage and lower your lifetime uh, tax bill. And one of the biggest ways to do this is don't wait till you're forced to take money out at 72. Uh, don't wait until your Social Security becomes really weirdly taxable because you're taking IRA money out. Plan for it ahead of time, right after you retire, when you're in your early 60s, and you haven't maybe taken your full Social Security yet, you might be in one of the lower tax brackets of your lifetime. 
And when you're in that lower tax bracket, you've got an option to pay taxes because you want to. And of course, you'd only do that because you know it's a lower rate now mm-hmm. than it would be later. And we're not saying you got to call up your 401k and say, send 50 grand to the bank and then just leave it there. We're saying you've got traditional IRA investments and you can choose if you want to leave them in the traditional IRA and keep pushing off the taxes or you can do something called a Roth conversion. It could be a, a dollar. It could be your entire thing. But you can tell the institution, the place you're working with, well, let's take 20000 that's invested in the traditional IRA. Let's still keep it invested. But let's move it over to this thing called the Roth IRA. And when you do that, it's called a conversion. And you'll get a tax form. It says you did, let's say, 20000 And that 20000 would show up on your tax taxes for this year. But all that growth in the future is tax-free uh, as long as you follow those rules of the Roth IRA. So you can choose to keep your money still invested in but let's just pay the taxes this year and allow it to grow and become tax-free uh, for, for the future. Nice. Yeah, it's a good way to go. And when you're retirement, when you're hitting retirement, there's going to be a lot of different points in retirement that you can predict a little bit. right? You know, okay, hit retirement today. Uh, might be in a lower bracket, but then I turn on Social Security. Might be in a higher bracket. Turn on these required minimums. Might be in a higher bracket. Uh, become single, right? When the first person passes away, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you'll switch over to a different uh, tax situation. So you can kind of see, well, what are my brackets going to be looking like over time? And you can target those lower tax brackets and pay taxes on purpose uh, for at the lower rate. And the biggest way to do that is this thing called the Roth conversion. Still have the money invested. You're just telling the, the government, I don't want this in the traditional anymore. I want a specific dollar amount over into the, the Roth area. Let that grow tax-free because I just took care of it this one year. That happens to be lower tax year because you took the time to project out your your rates just again Absolutely. a lot of this has to do with sitting down planning for it and thankfully uh, we've helped dozens hundreds of people uh, hit retirement we've got to uh, we've got a, a great ability to see what other folks are doing and what points in time um, are going to come up in your retirement life um, when you are retiring yourself you've probably never done that before right so if you're facing a new situation facing a new um part of your life called retirement, you know, find somebody that's been there before. Uh, and a lot of times we've been there before because we've helped your neighbors, we've helped your friends uh, hit retirement. Exactly. And we can help you project out and put a strategy together uh, for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Jeremy, this this book is, and I'll call it a book because it's, it's like I said, it's robust. It's great. It, it has a ton of more information on all six of these questions that you just covered in the podcast. How do people get this? Yeah, pretty easy. It's right on our website, kylefpkeilfp.com. It's so important. We put it on every single uh, part of our webpage uh, on there. So just go to kylefp.com, scroll down a little bit. You'll find a place to plug in your email, click download. And then by the time you check your email again, it's going to be sitting right there. We want to get it out to you uh, as soon as possible. So I'd love to have you check it out. It's a great way to go through, find the questions that maybe are most relevant to you. Uh, but we found a lot of times uh, this is all new stuff, and we thought these were six great questions that you ought to be using to prepare for retirement. Perfect. I agree 100%. Jeremy, thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, thank you, Eric. You bet. And thank you all for listening to the Retirement Revealed podcast with Jeremy Kyle. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Jeremy comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. And if you have somebody who is 
approaching retirement or, or shoot, 15, 20 years away from retirement, it's never too early to plan, share this podcast with them so they can go to the website, fill their email in, and download this wonderful resource that, that Jeremy is offering today. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Kyle Financial Partners, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Retirement Revealed podcast. Click on the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit retirement-revealed.com to learn more. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Kyle Financial Partners. Kyle Financial Partners does not provide legal, accounting, or tax advice. Consult your attorney or tax professional. Representatives have general knowledge of the Social Security tenants. For complete details on your situation, contact the Social Security Administration. Kyle Financial Partners is a part of the Thrivent Advisor Network, a registered investment advisor. Content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.